So today, uh, just open up your Bibles. We're going to be in Proverbs 8 tonight. Uh, But while you do that, uh, and before we get started, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this evening, Lord. We thank you for bringing us all here, Lord, safely. Lord, I pray that you just bless this time, Lord. We pray that you just uh, allow your word to speak to us, Lord. We pray that you, uh, like was said, remove any distractions, Lord. Uh, Allow me to remove myself from it as well, Lord. And I pray that your word just goes out, Lord. I pray as we read this, Lord, and even challenge some here today, Lord. I pray that you bless this time of study, Lord, and uh, just just give us all the insight that we need, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so it was interesting. Uh, I was asked probably about, I want to say a month, month and a half ago to teach tonight. And so I started looking through. I was in Jeremiah at the time. I was not even thinking of Proverbs. Um, and somehow I just came across the chapter, started reading it, and I go, okay, Lord, this is the, the chapter that you want me to teach on. Then Stephen, two weeks ago, confirmed it by saying, hey, will you teach the, the young ones at VBS? And what are they teaching on? Wisdom. So tonight we're going to talk about the wisdom from God and um, that just the, the VBS and doing all that and everything that's going on with VBS. I have this to be kind of a precursor, I think, um, to even looking at, uh, I think the first day is wisdom. So making sure that we kind of look at that and, and see that. So um, just before we get into it and all that, um, I think it's important to know the difference between knowledge and wisdom. So I have a few stories for you guys to get started. Uh, It serves two purposes, so we can learn the difference between knowledge and wisdom, and also to scare some of the women here of, don't leave your kids with your husbands when you're not around. So the first one comes in uh, knowing, uh, so my son, he was probably about one years old, around that age where he was starting to walk, and uh, we had this house, and in this house, Uh, there was this concrete step, and it was like, it had tile over it, but you can tell it had the edges that were pretty sharp there, and uh, he's starting to learn to walk. We did everything we thought we did to baby-proof that house. We put the covers and the plugs. We went around, made sure all the cabinets couldn't be opened, but didn't think of that step, right? So he falls while learning to walk, hits his head on this step, and you can see it swells up and leaves a line right across the top of his head. Right? Did I show wisdom in that time? The answer is no, because I didn't even have the knowledge that that step would hurt him. Right? I didn't think that, oh, that step could hurt him, so knowledge wasn't there. Right? Wisdom came is once I knew that step could hurt him, is protecting him from hurting himself again on that step. So we put a little cushion on that step. The next thing is uh, we took him to the beach. Right? We went on a cruise. We were in the Bahamas. And some of you are going to laugh at this because you've been in the water probably a lot more than I have. I don't go to the beach that often, but we're out there in the water. My wife kind of walks away for a minute, and I'm playing around with my son. He's walking through the water. And do you guys know what, like, like when you're in the Bahamas or things like that, there's dark patches along the kind of shoreline. So there's, you can see the fish swimming around, and then there's a dark patch. Do you know what that dark patch means? What's that? It drops. It's pretty deep. And I'm letting him run around. I'm like, cool, he's running around. And he steps right into one of those dark patches and just drops. 
You see me jump in there. It was deeper than I was, right? <laughs> there was no knowledge there that that was a dark patch. That meant deep water. Um, and so what did I do once I learned that? I didn't allow them to go near the dark patches of water anymore because it could hurt them, so, right? So foolishness would be if I allowed him, okay, after I learned that, go ahead, run back into that dark water and figure out what happens, right? That would be foolishness. So we need to understand there's knowledge, understanding, like getting that knowledge, but then there's wisdom in making the correct decision. Charles Spurgeon quoted it like this, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. There are a lot of people who know so much, but are greater fools for it. Right? They get all this knowledge, but they're not applying it in the correct way. They're not using it in a way that's right. And I think that's kind of what we're going to get into a little bit tonight. Right? And just even thinking in our men's study last week, there was a question in there that said, wisdom of the world. I started thinking, what is wisdom of the world? Um, and the wisdom of the world is said as this. It's defined in Scripture. If you look at 1 Corinthians 13, and I just did the first part of verse 19, or chapter 3, verse 19, says, for the wisdom of the world is folly with God. The wisdom of the world is foolishness. So there is a definition in Scripture of what the wisdom of the world is, and God describes it as foolishness. Right? There's wisdom that comes from God, but then there's wisdom of the world, right? That is foolishness. It's folly. So we need to be uh, aware of that. A simple word search in the Blue Letter Bible yielded these results. The word wisdom was used 202 times when you search it with the ESV. Uh, wisdom was listed 202 times in the Bible. The word wise, 180 times. And the word fool appears 77 times. Something mentioned so many times means it's something that we should definitely be paying attention to. We shouldn't <laughs> ignore the fact that it's in there. So, you know, we need to make sure that we're using this, and God wants us to make wise decisions, correct decisions with the knowledge that's been given to us. So let us show wisdom. And a little bit of background before we jump into the study as well is that Proverbs and is essentially is, is King Solomon's unparalleled wisdom, right? We know King Solomon had unparalleled wisdom to where people from all over would come just to see this wisdom that he portrayed, right, that he had. And an example can be seen in 1 Kings 10. It says, here it says, Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great, uh, I got the wrong word there, what is that? <laughs> Retinue, okay, My, I had to autocorrect here. With camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his, of his table, the seating of his officials, 
and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. She was astonished. And she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes have seen it. And behold, the half was not told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Right? They came to him for that wisdom. And we'll get into it a little bit as to how that wisdom was given to him. But people came just to see, like, not just your, your standard people, the queens and people of, of power came just to see his wisdom. And um, Proverbs 7 before moving into eight, we have to touch on it because many commentaries often relate Proverbs 7 to Proverbs 8, kind of a precursor to it. And in there is the story of the adulterous uh, woman. You know, and he's saying to beware of uh, the adulterous woman. It's mentioned in there in chapter 7 that it was a young man. And here is this adulterous woman who's persuading him with seductive speech and the young man is being led away, as it's described there in verses 21 and 22, as an oxen to slaughter. Right? He's being led away as an oxen to slaughter. I think that is a very strong warning when saying to beware of adultery or the adulterous woman is it'll lead you away to death. Like an oxen is led to slaughter. So we need to be careful of those things. But it really is leading us to see that it's just a warning of foolishness. Don't be foolish this. I've warned you of it. Now don't be foolish of it. Now in Proverbs 8, we jump into the personification of wisdom. And that's a lot of non, or human attributes given to something that's non-human. Right? So we're going to read through it. Um, the outline for tonight is going to be one, wisdom calls. Two, wisdom values. Uh, wisdom's value. Three is wisdom results in a hatred for evil. Four is going to be wisdom at creation. And five is to seek wisdom. So we're going to go through all that. But let's start reading Proverbs 8, 1 through 9. The blessings of wisdom. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in the front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call. And my cry is to the children of men. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Our first part here is wisdom calls. Right, in those, those verses there. You're going to see, if you go back and read 7 in your own time, is that the adulterous woman was doing her things at twilight, at night, right? And doing those things in the dark. Here, wisdom is calling aloud in the streets. It's not hiding. It's not hidden. Wisdom is calling out. And we need to be adherent to those calls. It's not hidden. It speaks openly. And then it's spoken, it's spoken that it's wisdom that's calling from a high place, right? And something that's calling from a high place is something that's heard far, from, far, from a far distance, right? Calling aloud to everyone. 
And wisdom, as it says here, is as it's preached or talked about in all the crossroads at the front gates of the town, it's meaning that wisdom is for everyone, right? Wisdom is for everyone. You can have wisdom. It's not for a select few, right? It wasn't just, that wisdom wasn't just for Solomon. That wisdom wasn't just for, you know, Jesus. It wasn't, it, there's wisdom that can be had by anyone, right? And we've already discussed it. It's making the right decisions, in Proverbs 1, 20 through 23, it echoes the call of wisdom. It says, wisdom cries aloud in the streets. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. So we can see that is for everyone. It's calling out, right? Don't ignore the call of wisdom. Don't ignore it, right? Answer it. And it's calling out to each one of us. Now let's read Proverbs 8, 10 through 21. It says, or Proverbs 8, 10 through 21. It says, take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteous, in the paths of justice. <clears throat> so we can see um, or granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasures. Wisdom is more valuable than treasures. It's more valuable than pretty much anything that's out there. Anything you can think of, wisdom is more valuable. Here it says it's better than jewels, right? That's something that's so precious, right? And it says nothing can compare to wisdom, can compare to her, right? That nothing can compare to it. And I think it's just amazing to see what wisdom's value is. We have an opportunity to have that value. It's, it's greater than anything else that's out there, right? And Solomon knew that. In 1 Kings 3, 5, uh, it's 3, 5 through 13, Solomon asked for wisdom above all else. It says, at, Gi at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness in righteousness and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept him from the great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. 
that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this great people? Great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked for this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, now I do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none is like you shall rise after you. So we see there's not going to be anybody after him who has such wisdom, right? Or those that before him who display such a discerning mind. But you can see that he could have asked for anything in the world, right? He could have asked for anything. He could have asked for wealth. He could have asked for more power. I mean, he already had that because the work of his father, David, but he could have asked for anything. And what is the one thing he asked for, right? He asked for wisdom to be able to kind of judge and discern the right actions for God's people. He asked for that more than anything else. I can't imagine that. Like, if the Lord asked me for anything, what would I ask for, right? And Solomon said, I need a sound mind. He said, I'm young. I need to, I need to have a sound mind. I need to have that wisdom that comes. There, there's a story, and I, it's one of the stories that really stick out in my mind um, when thinking of Solomon's wisdom, and probably some of you as well, but the two, two women or two prostitutes fighting over the baby, you guys know that, that story? In 1 Kings 3.16 is where you would find that, but they're, they're fighting over a baby because one of the, the, the women's babies had died, right? And she had taken the baby of the other, and Solomon has to really display that wisdom and discernment, right? But first, what did he have to do? He had to get knowledge, right? So the first thing he did, he knew, he said, I need to find out whose baby this is, right? So what did he say? Well, split it in half, give it to both of them. This is what he says, right? Okay, well, he knew, I mean, I don't know if that would have been my question or my answer to it, but he had enough knowledge and discernment to know, I'm going to find out who the mom is first, right? By doing something so wild, like, I can't even imagine that other lady, I mean, to be okay with that. But <laughs> here it is, the mom says, no, right? Don't do it. And he finds out that's the mom, give it to her. First, he had to get the knowledge of who's, who's the mom, but he could have made the wrong choice and said, ah, nah, leave it with that lady. She's been, she has it in her hands. That would, have been, that would have been foolishness. No, he says, now give that baby to the mom. Right? And so it's that making that wise choice based upon the knowledge that he just attained based on off of that. And I think that to me is just listening to that, that story. I don't know if I would ask that question or would have said split the baby in half, but he had enough discernment to say, This is now how I'm going to find out the knowledge that I need to give this baby over to the correct mother. So it's just amazing to see, you know, just some of the wisdom that's displayed there. In verse 13, I also want to focus on that one because wisdom, in our third point, is uh, it results in a hatred for evil, right? It says it right there. It says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil are perverted and perverted speech I hate. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. If you truly fear the Lord, you will have no part in sin. You will want to live a life of righteousness and want to see his righteousness displayed now. 
Jude 1.23 says, Save others by snatching them out of the fire to show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. What is it saying there? Hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Hating sin, hating those things that are evil, hating those things that, you know, that the Lord hates, right? We should have no part in sin. That's wisdom, right? We should have no part. We should avoid even anything that looks like sin. Keep your distance from it, right? Hating even garments that are even near it, right? We need to be weary of that. As believers, we need the wisdom revealed to us to show us what that evil is. Right? It's out there. As born-again believers, we cannot be numb to the fact that there's evil that is happening right now. We can't ignore it. The very acts we see happening before our eyes. Stores, as Rachel said earlier, doing business with even the enemy, Satan. Doing business, school teachers teaching unthinkable things. We have um, politicians selling themselves like prostitutes to gain an upper hand over, its, over opponents. We need to not be ignorant to those things. We need to really point out what evil is and, and call it out, right? We need to seek God's righteousness above all else. We cannot allow to have evil exist or even come near us, Right? We need to make sure that we're protecting our households, our church, our families from that sin. Hating even the stain of that garment, right? Do not, do not allow any of that even near it. As men, right, some of the men's here, we need to guard our house. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Do not allow anything into your house that even looks like sin. Get it out. Get it out of your house. In Romans 12, 9, it says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Abhor it. It's a strong word as well. James 3, um, 15 through 18 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Right? Make peace in your homes. Right? Do not allow anything that, to exist that is false to the truth. Let's go over to Proverbs 8, 22 through 31. And I just want to just listen carefully to these verses because I'm going to ask a question afterwards. Um, listen carefully to these verses, and then I'm going to ask you a question afterwards. So reading 22 through 31, it says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his works, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. 
and he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea its limits, so that the waters might not transgress or transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in, the, in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man." So, I ask you now, who or what do these verses talk about? Jesus Christ. Okay. Anybody else? Wisdom. Right. I can tell you both. The reason why I ask this question is not to throw people off, because both essentially are correct, but it's how you're reading it. Right. Who is Jesus in those verses? He's the creator, right? Jesus is the creator in those verses. So it was speaking of wisdom, right? And I think the reason why I asked that is because in the ESV, it says that the Lord possessed wisdom at the beginning. So many of you have ESVs, right? Does anybody have a CSB or anything? That one says acquired. He acquired wisdom. Some of you will have a footnote in your Bible. Does it give you a little footnote of what, is used, what it's used in the Septuagint? Created, right? What if we read it like that? The Lord created me at the beginning of his work. Kind of changes the tone there a little bit, right? If it's saying created or possessed, those type of things, it, it cannot be Jesus. Why is that? He always existed. Yeah, he wasn't created, right? So we have to be careful when we're reading the Bible. Be careful to what other things you may find on the internet, because as you search this, you'll run into various things like this, right? This verse has created problems in the past when accompanied with other verses. I just want to point that out clearly, and we're going to go through it a little bit, right? The verse with others have been taken out of context to point to Jesus being created. There was a man named Arius of Alexandria who accompanied it with these following verses. In 1 Corinthians 1, 20 through 24, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God, through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand a sign and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Right? So now it's talking about he is the power and wisdom of God. Next, 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Next part, Colossians 2, 1-3, it says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches and full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, 
which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. These are very true statements, right? And so what Arius of Alexander did is he took that and goes, the wisdom of God, it must be speaking how it says here in verse 22 that he is the wisdom of God and thus was created. See how they can twist it so easily? Right? But we have to make sure we're reading Scripture correctly because the wisdom of God, it's true, is Jesus Christ. And we're going to go over it later as to what, these, what is the correct way to read these verses. Right? But right now, looking at it, Arius of Alexandria did this. He attributed Proverbs 8 and these verses we just read to lead to the conclusion that Jesus was created. Arius argued that Jesus was not co-equal with the Father, and there was a time in which... The Father existed prior to the creation of the Son. Arius' beliefs became the primary topic of the first council, and I'm going to butcher this, Nicaea, which is in modern-day Turkey, um, convened by Emperor Constantine in AD 325. Tom loves this because he's looking at me with the theology courses in mind. <laughs> but really looking at it, that was one of the primary topics. Right? That was one of the primary topics at that first thing, is, is Christ and his, is his equality or his stand with the Father. Where does it stand? Is he equal? Is he you know, lesser than the Father? What, what is he? Right? And that was, they put a whole council together to go over this. Right? So when you hear about people saying Jesus was created or was a created being or you know, didn't always exist, know that it's not anything new. Right? It's not anything new. It's been brought up in the past. But scripture, if you read it correctly, clearly defines how that's inaccurate thought. That's inaccurate teaching. We know that scripture confirms Jesus' equality with God. Philippians 2, 6-7 says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He was equal with God from the beginning, right? He had to empty himself in order to come here to live amongst us so that way we can put our faith in him to die on the cross for our sins. The next part, Colossians 2.9, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. God dwells bodily in Jesus. The next part, John 10.30, I and the Father are one. Pretty, pretty clear, right? Equal. Here in Proverbs 8, we must be careful not to associate these verses specifically speaking of Jesus. Jesus was not created for Jesus, in fact, created all things, right? So Colossians 1, 16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Key word is all things, right? If he was created, then he didn't create all things, right? He created all things. Let's look at some of the original text, and kana uh, means to acquire, create, buy, or possess. <clears throat> You can understand why this interpretation varies depending upon what scripture you're reading or what version of the Bible you're reading. So it could mean acquire, possess, create, buy, 
All those have its meaning. In the beginning, its original language was reshith, which means beginning, first fruits, first chief. So one of the first things. So what we can gather from this is that wisdom was one of the first fruits or first things that Jesus created or possessed at the very beginning. That was crazy to me. Jesus created wisdom. It didn't just always exist. Why? He didn't need it. Right? <laughs> it's in his being to do what's right, to, to do the right thing. It's, it's, it's just amazing to me to read that and see, wow, Jesus created wisdom. And what was wisdom for? All things were created for us. It was wisdom. That blew my mind. And I thought, wow, I always thought just wisdom was always existed with God. Nah, it's saying he created it. And that creation that he made was for us. So let's use it properly. All right. God gave us wisdom as a tool so we can make good actions based upon the knowledge we have been given. Use that wisdom as a tool because it was given to us by God. All right. Proverbs 8, 32 through 36 says, And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed, blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. Wow. Hate wisdom? <laughs> you love death, right? We really need to look at these final verses as our application of wisdom in our daily lives. How do we apply it? It tells us in verse 33 to hear instruction and be wise. If you're not willing to listen to the instruction, you won't be wise. How do we do that? Our ultimate source of instruction is what? The Bible, right? It's given us this to read and be able to make wise choices. We need to be in this word. If we're not reading it daily, we cannot get the wisdom that's coming from God. We'll make bad choices. You'll make wrong choices. You need to be in the word, right? Next thing, do not neglect this teaching you received. Do not be pulled away by foolish people who preach a different gospel. There's going to be all types of things. Pastors warned us, don't, like, don't go searching down rabbit holes on the internet, right? Because there is some wild things that you can run into. Right? But don't neglect the teaching that you're getting here in the Word. Because if you neglect that, you'll be led on the, long, or the wrong path. You're making yourself available to become foolish. So allow us to be wise. Stick to the Word. Right? Compare all things to what's in here. So that way you can make those wisest choices, especially when we identify evil. Right? It, it, it's crazy how many people, we got the quote earlier, once they receive knowledge, make some wild choices, right? And we can see this in society today. They've gone down some crazy paths because they're not focusing on the word, of course, because they don't believe in them. But the next point is we live in a world where we are required to make those correct decisions. Um, we live in this world, right? But we're not of this world. 
We live in a world where people are going all surrounding or all around us are going to make bad decisions. Yet we're not supposed to involve ourselves with those things. We need to separate ourselves because we're not in this world or of this world, right? We're not of this world, right? Our kingdom is in heaven, right? Our king is Jesus, right? We don't put our faith in a governor or a president or whoever it is. Our faith is in Jesus alone. And we need to allow that to be what we seek after. In closing, let's return to those verses that were incorrectly used. And let's really look at and indicate what those verses really meant. Um, So that way, because we didn't go over them too much, we just said it was used incorrectly, right? So now let's see how do we correctly interpret that. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Colossians 2.1-3 says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches and full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ, in whom are all hidden all the treasures in wisdom and knowledge. What's being described here is a mystery, right? There's a mystery there. And if you know, and if you go back and study some of the history, there was these Gnostics out there who claimed to have this knowledge that others didn't. So they described it as, we know this mystery that none of, nobody else knows, Right? We, we know this, right? You can't have wisdom because we know this, and they have the wisdom. They hold the wisdom because they know it, right? The mystery that is being spoken of in these verses is the salvation that had yet to be revealed in Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. That mystery was not revealed for thousands of years before, right? But then... Here it is. Now it's being revealed to mankind by a humble, a humble man who died on the cross for our sins, right? Being fully God and fully man, he went on that cross, died on the cross for us, so that way our sins can be forgiven. There's no mystery. And there's no other mystery than that. The wisdom of God is Jesus. That's all it is. There's no mystery to be finding out. It's already been shared with you. It's Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins so that way you can be saved. That's the wisdom that has been revealed. That has been his plan since the beginning. Go back and read the very beginning of the Bible. You'll see that it was his plan to save us from the very beginning. And the only way you can show wisdom and that mystery, that wisdom of them is to put your faith in Jesus. That's the only way to, def- to really grasp the wisdom of God is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't put your faith in Jesus Christ, it says this, and, or in God, it says in Psalm 14.1, it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. It doesn't say the wisdom or the smart guy says there is no God. It says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. That means there is knowledge of God, but has t- decided to turn away from him and not accept him. 
So we need to make sure that everybody here, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Doesn't need to be anything like spectacular. You can do it in your seat at any time. Put your faith in Jesus. That is the true wisdom from God. That was his plan from the beginning to save you, save all of us from the sins that are out there and that are in our lives. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only way to gain that wisdom from God. So, really reviewing what was shared throughout this. So going back through the outline. Wisdom calls was the first point. And really, wisdom does not hide. It calls from the heights and in the marketplaces. Wisdom is attainable for everyone. Wisdom's value. Wisdom is more valuable than any treasure that is out there. Just as Solomon asked for wisdom, we should be doing the same. Wisdom results in a hatred for evil. As believers, we cannot have a relationship with evil. We are the children of God, and there is no coexisting with sin and evil. Fourth point, wisdom at creation. God created, acquired, possessed wisdom at the beginning of his creation so we can make correct decisions on the knowledge we attain. And then last part was with the application is to seek wisdom. Search for the instruction from the Lord. Read his word and ask for his guidance in your decision making. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you for just even with this study, Lord, and, and how you even just taught me, Lord, and just uh, giving me the ability to share even the things that I've learned through this study, Lord. I pray for everyone here, Lord, even for those who haven't put their faith in you. Let Allow them to no longer be fools, Lord, and to come to you. Allow them to gain that wisdom that only comes in your Son who died on the cross for us, Lord. I pray you look after everyone here, this final round of worship, Lord, as well as everyone driving home. Please protect each one of them. In Jesus' name, amen.